Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. DMVR Draft Pod on a beautiful Friday in the Mile High City presented by That's Right, Mama We Made It presented sponsor High Point Strains, our friends. Come on. The Northeastern Colorado Dispensary providing top quality cannabis and a wide variety of products. If you give them a visit, be sure to mention DMVR to take advantage of their deals. Jake Schwanitz, Justin Michael, I'm your host, Andre Simone. Full-blown draft season. I get my guys back because they're done covering college football. You love that. Well, not so much, but still, I love having my guys back. That's nice. Um, How's everyone doing? Justin, let's start with you. I'm good, man. It's been a... It's been a busy week a lot of college hoops action going on csu men's basketball taking on washington so i'm kind of diving into them at the moment seeing how that matchup lines up but it's fun i mean it's nice to have a little bit slower pace college football is just an all-consuming beast but i'm excited to get into the draft season i'm excited to watch these championship games which we'll dive into i mean last weekend was really great that was the one benefit to CSU playing a late night game on the island was I got to watch all of Ohio State, Michigan, got to watch all of the Iron Bowl, Roll Tide, baby, pulled out the flirkiest win of all time. But that's how that series always is. Um, anyways, I don't know why I'm rambling so much. I'm good. I'm excited to talk with you guys. Good to be back. Schwan, man, congrats on Michigan. Three in a row. What What is it? Second time in your lifetime. Uh, pretty much. I mean, I just grew up being just abused by them my whole That's life. Right. That's um, right. so it's been nice. I mean, I was able to watch the end of that in the press box at Utah too. So it's portal season though, man, recruiting season. Uh, I feel like my work's just getting started. <laughs> I I love that for us. It's going to be a marvelous off season. It's going to be a great conference championships and, um, you know, bowl season NFL, obviously heating up the Broncos actually giving us so much to talk about and somewhat Broncos themed. We did it. What was it last week? We talked about some risers, maybe the week prior. Um, I want to do it some more and I want to start because the Broncos keep playing their way out of guys. We've already talked about, you know, um, especially like some of the top wide receivers, Malik Neighbors, Roma Dunze, Keon Coleman, beyond obviously Maserati Marv, Emeka Buka, the other Ohio State wide receiver, would be interesting to see where he falls. He might be in the Broncos range. 
So I don't know about you boys, not too impressed in that Michigan game. Um, but another wide receiver who may be in the mid to late first where the Broncos might be more plausibly drafting, who is gaining a lot of steam is Troy Franklin wide receiver out of Oregon. Um, Justin, this guy's been unbelievable. First step, long speed. He's got size. He runs well, maybe needs to refine some things, but stats are comparable to Maserati Marv uh, this season. And, uh, you know, honestly, if it wasn't for Bo Nix, he'd probably be getting some Heisman buzz. It's been that incredible of a year. How would you like him as a Bronco? I mean, I'd love him. I think he's a bit uh, kind of exactly what you need. Just a long guy that can run, get open over the top, especially if you're going to continue this, you know, Russ 2.0 revival with Sean Payton. I just think he's a, a downfield target. No, he's not the cleanest route runner I've ever seen. But he he does get open downfield, and I think that's just how fluid he is as a runner. His hands have been solid, and you like the size. I mean, six yeah. two, like one seventy five ish. So I, I I think there's a lot to like there. <laughs> I love the the Maserati Marv oh. uh, nickname that Gus Johnson gave him. I've haven't heard anybody else call him that all oh, season. No. But it's he, not picking up. He Steve. gets about forty five of them in a broadcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he's addicted. He's like me when I start talking glizzies in my home to my wife and I'm purposely trying to bug her and drive her crazy. Um, <laughs> you got to see him live, Jake. Top of the route, that first step, end of the route, that size, he's very competitive to go up and get it. As Justin mentioned, maybe not the most refined in and out of his cuts. Um, but like, is is mid first too high for this guy? Uh, I don't think so. And I saw him live last year. I didn't see him live this year. We didn't go to Oregon this year. Um, oh, you could have pretended on that. But hey, respect, respect. Fact, well, actually, way, I, mean, I still saw him. It's true. It's I true. still saw him. Um, but yeah, man, he's just a big play threat for them. Just super explosive, has a great frame. Um, and, you know, Bo Nix, if there's one thing that guy does very, very well, he can just launch the football and Franklin just goes up and gets it. So, uh, you can kind of see how the fit is with Russ. I mean, Russ has looked a lot better, obviously, and he's been able to attack the field uh, downfield with some some of the chances Peyton gives him. It is a little reeled in, right? So, right. But I do think a lot of that is because we don't really have the big play threats. You know what I mean? Like Judy's been able to do something. We can have uh, Sutton go up and moss someone, but that's about it. They haven't really found a way to get Mims really yep. too involved still. So uh, maybe we just need more speed and – you know, I would take Troy Franklin. He's a fun player. Yeah, he's really fun. For some reason, earlier in the season, I thought he was a Nebraska transfer and was, like, older. He's just a true junior, quite young, and he's been at Oregon this whole time, coming off a spectacular season. Again, a guy that not everyone's even mocking in the first, but I think more plausibly is going top 20 than not going in the first round at all. Wide receiver class always stacked. And this guy... um, He's called the Yak God. I've heard some people comparing him to Debo Samuel. Again, if we're talking about this second tier of wide receivers, last week we talked a bit of the two uh, Texas guys, Xavier Worthy and Adonai Mitchell, both very intriguing, both very different. Malachi Cooley, Western Kentucky, name to know, converted running back. That's where these Debo comps come. And the yak god talk is real. His contact balance is insane. He just bounces off of dudes. He's a super fun receiver outside, inside. 
Um, how would we like this guy at the Broncos? Maybe more of a late first, early second guy. That's what I was going to say. I feel like he's maybe a guy you hope slips into the second and you target earlier, maybe late first. Um, I do like the Debo comparison just with that contact balance, the, the downhill power he has. You can see it. He doesn't have the same like length that Debo has. And I know not that Debo's like the lankiest guy in the world, but he's a little bit longer. I mean, he's, you can see that running back frame, I guess is just what I'm trying to say. But I mean, you see the agility, you see the quick cuts, his ability to make guys miss in the open field, his, his nickname, it's accurate. So he, he'd be a lot of fun. Um, I like the thought of Franklin a lot more though, just in terms of a guy that could make an immediate impact. And I'd feel really good about it translating. I'm, I mean, I love the G5. I'm, I'm not trying to, to, to besmirch the guy. I think you could get him involved in a bunch of ways, some, especially with uh, what Sean Payton loves to do with some yes. of this quick screen stuff and sweeps. And like, there's, there's a bunch of different ways you could get a guy with this type of athleticism involved, but just as a pure wide receiver, I don't know. I like some of these other guys a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, look, Sean Payton's a genius when it comes to that stuff, like, yeah. you know, around the line of scrimmage within 10 to 15 yards type of thing. And these type of weapons I think would be really valuable in this system. Um, I would love to have a player like this. We've, we've been talking about a player like this for yes. five ish years. I mean, we have no type of like explosion out of the backfield. I mean, they got a, um, gosh, I can't McLaughlin? remember. McLaughlin. Thank you. Um, yeah. and they've been able to get him the ball, but it's just, we still, we need more weapons though. Just overall. I think that was my big takeaway from earlier in the season when, you know, things weren't going as well and they've been able to survive off these turnovers and have the few splash plays now and there. But I just think we need more weapons on the offensive side of the football and getting a player um, like Corley would be a ton of fun, man. I mean, because you can line him up in the backfield and he's got that yep. like ability to weave through, you know, that's why they call him the Yak King. It's he just like effortlessly weaves through defenders. So uh, this is just a player who would help you, you know, pick up chunks of yardage and make you more dangerous all around on offense. And we've already seen the impact of running backs in the receiving game in this offense, right? And just generally speaking, yeah, maybe it's not a pure outside wide receiver, um, but you, like, yeah, just more explosiveness, more weapons feels like what the doctor ordered because it's funny when you look at the list of needs, it's a lot more on the defensive side than it is on the offensive side which doesn't necessarily always match up with what you're seeing on the field and what we've seen on the field. Speaking of defensive prospects, this cornerback class is getting more and more fun. I just keep finding Terry on Arnold, the cornerback playing opposite Kool-Aid McKinstry. I don't have it in front of Bailed me, it. but I got it right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and how productive he's been. He's just always been there to make plays. LSU game, he really stands out in the second half. Ole Miss game, spectacular. Has an interception to end the game. Obviously, he's been, the offenses are going to him more so than they are at Kool-Aid, but the production is otherworldly comparably. 10 pass breakups for Arnold, six tackles for a loss, 55 tackles total, and five interceptions. Kool-Aid has zero interceptions, just six, six, six pass breakups, half the um, tackles, and just one and a half tackles for a loss. Arnold is balling out. Also, he's the guy who went viral for 
his response on the podium of like what it was like having Saban in his face and how he's like kind of processing that and why he's staying calm and just listening. Right. Um, so you love that character wise. Dane Brugler just had him mocked in the top 15 as cornerback two behind Nate Wiggins and in front of Kool-Aid McKinstry, who funny enough, he had the Broncos taking this guy's getting some buzz. You're our Bama expert, J Mike. What stood out to, to you about him? I want to be careful how much we bury Kool-Aid just because I think some of it is they're just really not throwing at him that That's much. Um, and he's really solid in coverage. So I like yeah. he's still going to go in the first round. I still think he's top three. It's kind of, what do you prefer? Um, the thing about Terry and Arnold is he's just really versatile. He's got that safety background. He came in as a five-star safety, and you can see that. The way he comes downhill, you mentioned the tackles for loss. He has no issues with any aspects of the physicality. I mean, he's great in press. He's really, really a standout in man, much more so probably than Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid's a guy who, especially in zone, I think is kind of a standout, but uh, you just, you love the intensity. He's kind of fearless out there and there are every now and then, you know, he's going to get a pass interference because he is kind of handsy, but yep. you love it. And honestly, it's, it's nothing new. He had eight pass deflections as a true yep. freshman the year before uh, the, the interceptions weren't quite there. His interception stats are a little inflated because he got like one at the end of the first half on a Hail Mary, I think against Auburn at the one at the, the end of the game against Auburn as well. Yep. So, I mean, some of those kind of cheap, but hey, he's making the most of those opportunities. Jay, I mean, this is the two. exact type of yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is exactly who you want opposite of PS two because yeah. this yeah. is the exact situation he's going to find himself in in Denver, where he's going to be loaded with targets. He's got tons of ball production, um, so this is just what you need. You need a guy who's going to be aggressive, who's going to be able to play the football. And who is fine being that guy on the other side of PS2 who knows that they're going to face a lot of targets. Yes. And they're just going to have to make plays happen. So seeing that, um, you know, six foot 180, good length. Uh, you like what you see there. And if Brugler's got him all the way up there, man, I mean, Brugler's plugged in. He knows what these NFL teams are talking about. So we're going to see this guy go pretty high. The play speaks for itself. And you're doing it at Bama. And now we'll see him against Georgia. And I mean, I was going to say, watch him on Saturday because yeah. he's going to be on McConkie at on at times. And he's not quite as comfortable in the slot. That is like one thing you can see. But I think just he needs a little bit more experience there. He's he's a guy that honestly didn't even really focus on football until he got to he was a two way guy. He was going to play basketball and football at Bama. Uh, so was Kool-Aid, actually, but quickly focused on on only football. And I don't know. I think he's one of those. He's kind of like. We're only seeing the the first steps. Like he's really going to get unleashed in these next two, three years. Right. And honestly, if he declares, it's because he's got that kind of top 20 grade. Because at Bama, this is a kid who's just like scratching the surface. You know, you're kind of trying to buy early on his stock because you see all the upside. You love all that he brings to the table. And some of the, you know, there's some stuff to be refined on the more technical edge. Well, that's why we pay our coaches, right? That's what we always talk about. This is upside we can buy and certainly character we can buy and just spectacular tape and season. Quinion Mitchell, always on that cornerback too. Toledo, um, J. Mike, you were talking about the spectacular season they've been having. Uh, why don't you set the stage on that? I've been introducing these prospects too much. Yeah, dude, Toledo's 11-1 and one this year. So 
they're rolling. They beat a really good San Jose State team and really contain Chevin Cordero, who's the best quarterback in the Mountain West. He's been on fire to close the season. Um, watch the Hawaii Bowl, by the way. If you've got nothing going on, San Jose State, they're in that. I think it's like Christmas Eve. There's usually not much going on. But uh, yeah, this is a a fun Toledo team. They just ran straight through the MAC. They lost their first game of the year. It was against Illinois, and they almost won. It was like 30 to 27, something like that. It was a one possession game. I don't remember exactly what it was, but they've been rolling since the beginning of the year. Defensively, they have a lot of speed in their secondary. And, you know, he's the he's the standout. So I think there's a good chance he ends up being in that top uh, four corner range. I'm not sure if he's corner two. Like, I, mm-hmm. I like both Bama guys more um, right. significantly. But the production's there. He's another guy that's really aggressive going after the ball, which, yeah. you know, you love. Um, and if we're looking for a guy that would be opposite of PS2, he's another guy, especially late in the first round, early second round, he, if he slips a little bit be all over it yeah i mean we gotta remember at bama ps2 played opposite trayvon diggs trayvon diggs what what what's the scouting report right trayvon diggs giveth trayvon diggs taketh he'll give up some big plays but he's also the interception guy and that's guys like arnold quinion mitchell jake last season had a game of four interceptions two of them pick sixes like that's the kind of dude this is in a similar frame to Arnold, six foot in that 196 range. These are some of my like favorite prospects when they're just like they pop off the screen in these G5 games. Mm-hmm. And you know, you have the stats, like the crazy like one game story of the four interceptions or whatever, but you just watch them and it's like, okay, like how did this guy even end up here almost? So uh yeah, another guy that kind of fits that archetype, six foot 196. Uh he's out of Florida also. So you know the guy can ball, man, and just watching the the highlights that you talked about of the four interception game like that stuff's just amazing to watch i love watching uh games where guys just like kind of make a statement and really put themselves on the map and that's i think what he did with that game and uh i need to dig into the film more but i'm excited i've I've added him to the very top of the list now you know he kind of reminds me of just like in terms of the the give it take it away and the the pick sixes and stuff kind of reminds me of like a vintage like drc back in the day or um am i saying the right name what's the guy who went to new york yep dominique rogers cromartie yeah 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 yeah. the names are blending together i wasn't i started to second my guess myself there but just that kind of that swagger too like he is going to get burnt over the top but he's also going to you know undercut a route and take it 70 yards to the house so you just you kind of got to live with the highs and the lows He reminds me a lot of William Jackson, another G5 guy who kind of got hype late in the process out of Houston. First rounder for the Bengals had a long career because similar frames. It's it's really the ball skills are the first thing you're going to buy into. There's a physicality swag, like good frame to him. Um, And like he's going to mix it up. Maybe he's not sticky like Kool-Aid McKinstry or even a Nate Wiggins who has that length, but isn't as physical because he's a little skinnier. We're going to get into another cornerback two prospect that stood out in the game and more prospects from the game that might fit the Broncos in that mid to late first round range. These guys, though, are not mid first rounders. Hestra job gloves, elite prospects when it comes to work gloves. Um, They're awesome, man. They've been great to work with. They have premier 
job gloves, you know, so many, so many times we've got all these different crappy gloves. You've got a pair in the car in Colorado. Cause you never know when the weather is going to hit. I've got a pair in all my jackets and I'm going out to do uh, work in the backyard. Maybe this jacket had the nice leather ones. My mom got me for Christmas in Italy and I screw those up. Stop doing that. Get yourself the premier job gloves out there. And that's Hestra. Visit hestrajob.us. Use our code DMVRJOB and get yourself 30% off your next purchase on these elite, elite gloves. And anyone looking to supply their team with high quality work gloves at a bulk rate can email Josh Jacobson at Josh at HestraUSA.com. Great stuff. Best job gloves in the business. Check them out. I also want to shout out Hero Bread. Our friends at Hero offer an awesome product that's ultra low net in carbs, zero grams of sugar per slice, a high in fiber. It's really just a great option and it's a little better for you than a lot of the gunk that's out there. It's that time of year we can all use, you know, just a little less calories, more protein per serving. It's just a better option. You're going to get more out of it. You got to feel yourself right. We got a lot going on, a lot of football to consume. Holiday shopping's coming up. I mean, you got to fuel up and you got to do it right with Hero. Right now, Hero Bread is offering the DNVR fam 10% off their first order. All you got to do is go to hero.co, use our code DNVR to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O.co to save 10% today. Also, they have tortillas, buns, really anything you need. Really, really tasty, soft and fluffy, all the good stuff. Shout out Hero. Go check him out. Use that code DNVR. He was almost the hero in the game. Um, and we're going to continue our cornerback to talk. Another corner in that range is Denzel Burke, number 10 out of Ohio State. He, crazy enough, is listed as 6'1". Watching him, I would have thought he was smaller than Arnold or Mitchell, some of the other guys we've talked about. Maybe it's because he's so twitched up inches away from forcing a fumble as J.J. McCarthy squeezed one of the tightest window throws for a touchdown I've seen in a long time. And Burke was on the ball and almost launching it out as the Michigan wide receiver was entering the end zone. Some believe he launched it out before the uh, Michigan wide receiver entered the end zone. Would you believe that? Denzel Burke, though, a guy um, who's, uh, you know, Really been a standout uh, the last couple of years. Ohio State corners, for the most part, um, actually, they've kind of disappointed. But, you know, there's some pedigree there when they're in college. Um, Jeff Okuda, and then there's that guy the Raiders took, which is a disastrous situation. But anyways, Denzel Burke, how would you like him playing opposite PS2, Jake? I mean, another guy who I think could take advantage of the situation that you're going to have when you play opposite a PS2, just... Being that twitched up and being that instinctual of a player, um, you just make plays and you have to make plays when you're opposite uh, a corner like PS2 or any type of high profile corner because you are going to get those targets. But I mean, you need some impact out of the secondary because basically one side of the field is always shut down. Uh, The ball crossed the line for the record, though, too. Play was over. (laughs) Doesn't matter. Oh, man. People are so confused on that still, Jake. Like I even I think the ref they have at Fox to explain it was talking about something like the continuation or 
like you know surviving the contact to the ground it's just like i know damn it Can are we, we going backwards this out? Rules? oh we are no we are. i don't understand this stuff the travis hunter catch on saturday like he has it in his possession the entire time it has a little spin when he hits the ground and we call it incomplete it doesn't make sense to me we've just made it more complicated than it needs yeah. to be but don't get me started. I'll go on an old man take about how instant replays objectively ruin sports and we were better before. <laughs> no. But <laughs> it's like me saying, go back to the AP rankings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all for it. Yeah. Content was great. Great debates. Yeah. Honestly, this podcast would love that. Yeah, Burke had a great game. Um, I'm with Jake. The ball did cross the line. It's that simple. Like, as soon as that happens, the game's over or the play's over. But um, the the production isn't quite on par statistically with some of these other guys. But he stood out um, a lot in these big games. You know, whether it was Penn State or Michigan, he you know was a guy that was getting targeted pretty frequently, and he lived up to the moment. Um, the this Ohio State defense in general, there's a lot of guys that are really stand out. I can't pronounce his name, but the edge Tulamalu, who, you know, had the huge game yeah. against Penn State the year before. He's not a riser per se, but another right. guy that just fun to watch. Um, I like the other guys we talked about a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I like that what you have in the notes here. I'm not trying to move on no, no, move too on. prematurely, but JJ McCarthy might just be the most Sean Payton quarterback of this entire class. He made some throws in that game and it felt very similar to what Denver's doing. No, we're not opening it up. You know, we're not asking him to do too much, but when he needed to make those tight window throws in, in the red zone, he did it. And I'm higher and higher on JJ. Every time I watch him, I, I just think he's playing really smart football right now. And I think athletically his ceiling is super high. Yeah. I mean, Jake, he makes these throws, right? He's operating in more of a pro style. So while, I do think his accuracy consistency is like the the next step. Part of that's also the offense. You're just not getting those open looks. I mean, Bo Nix in that offense at Oregon basically has 15 free completions that JJ right. does that just doesn't have in his offense because of how they operate. And it, those 15 completions are relevant to Bo or JJ's pro uh projection because we're just not going to do that in the pros we can like we would just be losing yards on those plays so we're not going to run them um but jj it's, it's like the athleticism and frame there's some Taysom hill to it and then the mind and the accuracy and the projection as a passer what have you seen as someone who watches him basically every saturday for two years now I mean, he's kind of just been the same player, just super athletic, has a cannon for an arm, and we don't get to see it all the time. And it, maybe it's because, like you said, we're not watching him, you know, throw 15 screens and just like easy RPO slants every week like we are with Bo Nix and some of these other guys, which, I mean, let's be honest, when we're doing draft film stuff, we just skip by those throws anyway. They don't mean a single thing. So even if he's only throwing eight throws in a game because they can just run it down Penn State's throat, like that's not against him. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has come out on record and said this is like the best quarterback Michigan football's ever had. And, you know, it shows up in the recruiting stats um, when he before he even came to Michigan. We saw it when the quarterback competition between him and Cade, um, it was an instant like competition. It was an instant, well, we got to find a way to get this guy on the field uh, type of thing. So 
he's been growing. Um, and you mentioned it, it's the accuracy, it's the decision-making, like he can be a little risky at times. And it's because he has the arm to make some of these throws though. So it's, you know, kind of a double-edged sword, you know, you can try and reel it back, but at the end of the day, it's just who he is as a player too. Um, I need to see it better in the playoff though. I mean, the TCU game still sticks in my mind, just some terrible mistakes in that game that lost them, uh, the playoff game, but I mean, he's he is who he is. He's super athletic. He's going to be a lot of fun, I think, in the NFL, too. These games are really big for him because these are the kind of defenses that, like Ohio State, should force him to prove, hey, can you can you overcome some things with your arm and not just your legs? I don't know. The only the only thing I have and I, I've every comp I have for him is a bad comp. He's reminded me of Marcus Mariota sometimes. I wonder if he's a little Justin Fieldsy right now, which hey, even Fields with the Bears, I'm, I may be coming around too far. I mean, I don't know. He's an athletic quarterback. He's gonna. He needs obviously a team with weapons and a line. Like this is what he's got at Michigan. Yeah. Like it's yeah. all around him there at Michigan. He doesn't really have to do too much. He can, um, but. He's just got some top end traits, I think, that, you know, the athleticism, the arm uh, just needs to refine, you know, the finer aspects of playing a quarterback. A lot of guys do. Yeah. Zach Zinter, speaking of that of offensive line, a guy we talked about as a huge riser and someone Kuiper had in his top 25 last week, J. Mike, the right guard for Michigan. He was having a phenomenal game. I mean, they're running behind him at the goal line. He was just putting on a clinic. I was getting more and more excited up for him. And then has that terrible injury in the third quarter. He'll be out seven to nine months. It's a broken fibula. And I think there's another. Um, J. Mike, Broncos have not had a good history of taking the gamble on the guy who's coming off the injury. And maybe you're getting a round or two later than they would have gone had they been healthy. But then the Jake Butts, the shit i've uh, you know it's been too many years they've um, added up over the years yeah they've added up haven't always worked out zinter with that potential need on the interior line especially if lloyd cushenberry were to move on is that someone you'd look at and where's too high once the injuries occurred you know we're talking late first now what's realistic early third maybe yeah I- I, his ceiling is super high, obviously. Dude, yes. I mean, he's probably like, if he's healthy, he's probably the top guard that comes out. I mean, I just, I think he's worth the gamble. No, the history isn't great, but I think you kind of have to overlook the history there because then it's kind of not relevant to this decision. It's all, you know, like, is he worth it or not? And his upside is certainly worth it. My hesitation is when exactly is he going to be able to make an impact because not only is it a seven to nine nine month recovery but i mean the the process of getting within the offense coming off of that type of injury at that type of size while also trying to make the jump to the nfl like it's just going to be a lot to process for him I, i hope it works out i i would be fine with taking that gamble but i don't think you could do it before the third round that were you land jake i mean I, I don't know, man. It's t- it is a broken bone, though. I mean, right. I, from what I heard, I think it was fibula tibia. So right, uh, fibula tibia. So 
I mean, that heals and you should be theoretically getting like the same player. Um, it's not a ligament where, you know, you got to rebuild all the muscles around it and stuff. I mean, there's going to be a whole rehab process for sure, but there are worse injuries that an offensive lineman can have. And this guy's just been a stud. I mean, ever since he showed up on campus, I think he's played in like 50 some games uh, starting most of them. Uh, he's their best offensive lineman. He's basically been the anchor that's allowed them to win the Joe Moore award the last two seasons. Um, just a all around fantastic football player. And the next Michigan guy we're going to talk about too. I mean, they just get these dudes on the offensive line who are so um, mean. They are, they play within themselves too. You know, they're always square, you know, they never yeah. see them out of control or falling over themselves. Yeah. It's just super well coached, super polished. Uh, just some of the best offensive linemen in the country. Honestly, just you want to know the difference between Ohio State and Michigan? Watch those two O lines. Yes. Watch those two O lines and tell tell me who is going against the the tougher defensive front too. Um, it's like it's it's a world of difference. Drake Nugent, Lone Tree kid, center out of Michigan. Um, a Matt McChesney, um, yep, six zero. Dungeon family as well. He's had a phenomenal season. Again, Lloyd Cushenberry, a guy the Broncos might be moving on from. Nugent coming back home would be an awesome story and a really nice fit in a Sean Payton offense. Um, I don't know if you guys want to add anything else on that. And then two defensive linemen I wanted to talk about. Chris Jenkins, the defensive tackle out of Michigan, big number 94. He's playing more as a defensive end. Um, man, is he impressive as a run defender extremely, extremely impressive defensive tackles is going to be a theme of this show until the draft occurs. Cause that's going to be a pretty big need for the Broncos. His run defense would be a phenomenal addition for Denver. I think that mid to late first round, not uh, out of the realm of possibilities for him. I need to see more and pass rush though. I'm just not seeing enough to really pound the table because at that size with that run defense, if he could show you some pass rushing, Flashes with consistency, you're talking yourself into like a top 12 player, you know, in this class. Yep. Uh, all he got speed on, on the outside of him, though. I mean, I, you know, might loosen some things up for yeah. him in the interior. Mm -hmm. That's true. Uh, I just have a few comments on Drake Nugent. I mean, he played at Stanford before he got to Michigan and he just he popped off the screen to me, honestly, watching Stanford last season, uh, just as a guy who. I mean, him and McKee, you know, they were veteran, I guess, kind of guys. And you could tell, you know, they had this kind of chemistry. And especially on Stanford's scripted drives last year, they were just like running through people. And then after that, they really couldn't do anything. But, man, he's been an awesome addition to Michigan's offensive line. Just fit right in and another nasty dude. I mean, they just have the, some of the best offensive linemen in the country. They're probably going to win the Joe Moore Award again this year, too. I don't see how they couldn't. Now, here's a guy who plays the right way. <laughs> <laughs> he's great, man. Um, he's just like a compact ball of downhill fury and pushing against the run. Um, which, like, I've enjoyed watching the Broncos O-line so much the last few weeks. And they're far from perfect, but they are so fun to see get after it um, as run blockers, especially. Tyleek Williams, final guy I have on here, Ohio State defensive tackle. Both those guys, like Mike Hall is the one guy I saw Zach Zinter uh, beat Zinter one-on-one -on -one with a really nice swim move and get in the backfield. Williams, though, the guy who's been getting more steam this season. Um, 
kind of a bigger boy. There's Stackhouse over at Georgia. Like, again, we're adding names to the offensive tackle list. I'm not sure anyone's really popping off yet. It's limited, especially if you're not in that top two range. It's just, yeah. But playoffs going to be big. One guy goes off, he's going to raise his stock like a ton just because of the situation that position's in. He's 6'3", 330. He's got 10 tackles for a loss. He's actually got five passes defense. He's able to get his paws up and, you know, affect throwing lanes. So, yeah, no, he he gets it done for sure. Um, They get it done over there at Breckenridge Distillery. Am I right, Jake? They always do, man. Um, They've got some great spirits out there. Of course, they're award-winning Bourbon. They also have the Broncos Blizzard. It's a new vodka commemorating the first alternate Broncos or white alternate Broncos helmet. Uh, it's founded in 2008. Again, most widely known for their blended bourbon whiskey. It's a high rye mash American style whiskey. Uh, our Bur- Breckenridge bourbon is one of the most highly awarded craft bourbons in the USA. Also, check out their Reiki seltzers. We have those at the DMVR bar. Mm. Um, they can be uh, pretty vicious, though. So uh, treat them kindly. Treat them with care. They're at the Broncos games as well. I found that out a few weeks ago. Breckenridge Distillery products are available in all 50 states. Shop your local retailer or visit BreckenridgeDistillery.com for home delivery of award-winning Breckenridge spirits. If you are in northeastern Colorado, High Plains Strains is the dispensary for you. They provide top-quality cannabis and a wide variety of products. They have infused edibles, high-potency concentrates, some of the best flour in the state, of course. Uh, you can order online at highplainstrains.com. They have drive throughs so it's so convenient. They have three locations, one in Log Lane Village, one in Garden City, and one in Sedgwick. So again, if you're in northeastern Colorado, they are the dispensary for you. Make sure you use that code DNVR online or mention DNVR in stores. Uh, some of the deals they offer right now, you can get a full ounce for 80 bucks. A Veritas 8 for 25, Mammoth 1 gram cartridges for 15, or Exquisite Extracts four for 40, all killer deals. Remember to use the code DNVR online or mention DNVR in stores to take advantage of these high plane strains deals. Nice. It's pick time. It's conference championship. It's a wide open field. I thought things would be much more sorted by now. They are not, not in the slightest. It's going to be the greatest, most chaotic final run we've ever seen guys i'm excited for it i'm actually sad to see it end today today oregon takes on washington Woo-wee. nine point favorite ducks i shouldn't even speak on this game honestly so please our expert panel you guys start us off because i've been off on the ducks the entire season Okay, go ahead. I, hold on. I'm confused, though. Is Michael Penix playing? Because this line has thrown me off since it was announced. I believe so. As far as I know. Why in the world is Oregon a nine-and-a-half-point favorite after Washington beat them earlier in the year? It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, different uh, time of the year, man. Oregon's rolling. And Washington's... I, I mean, I think it's... I'm, some hesitancy with how they've performed here to close the season. A lot of tight games, whereas Oregon's just kind of rolled everybody. Um, obviously, the, the speed Oregon has, the, the 
defensively, I think they're more sound. I mean, I, I think it, it makes sense that they're favorites. This spread is very, very high. I, I would have had it probably more at like a touchdown, but um, I'm taking Oregon to cover. I'll just start. Oregon's no, just I'm dominating Washington. teams. That's what's going on. Yeah, Vegas is, is telling you trust what you've seen the last month, and I'm I'm trusting them on that. We're not playing in Austin. <laughs> I'm taking the Huskies. This is crazy. Yeah, no, I mean it's crazy, but I know how this game is played. If you see a crazy line, you're the one who's wrong often, and not the book. Fair enough. I just it doesn't make sense to me i mean washington yeah they've had some close games um but i mean they were dominant earlier in the year it this team still has that gear michael Penix is still michael Penix. romo dunes still makes plays they still have a you know entire just room of wide receivers that can go off um i know oregon's got some guys defensively too and they're really firing all cylinders but come on man what do you think a bama texas spread would be right now Similar? I mean, there's a Quinn Ewers factor in there that I do think changes yeah. things a bit. Uh, not to mention Jonathan Brooks. Like, the starting backfield in that game for Texas might not be able to That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, and that's, th- that's why I think Texas has looked worse and a little more, like, questionable in some ways. Um, they've arched. They, they certainly handled that. Jalen Polk, another wide receiver in that range of guys we were talking about earlier in the show, the second wide receiver on Washington. He's tall. He moves really well. Um, he'd be a really intriguing choice. There's talent all over the field. One of the other top guard prospects um, is the left tackle for Washington, a little shorter than ideal. So many are projecting him to convert inside. There's some really good D linemen for Oregon you want to keep an eye on uh, from a pro standpoint. I really like Oregon's safety, Evan Williams. He's got some draft buzz. Fresno transfer. Mm, yep. He's been really good. I mean, the other Fresno Fresno DB has been lighting up, uh, lighting it up with the Cowboys, huh? Bland. I mean, Got to trust Tedford. He knows what he's doing. Been crazy. I, we're gonna see Jay Kaner before the season's over too. Like that's happening. Let's go. Any week. time. Yeah. Um, so tons of prospects going to be a fantastic, fantastic game. On principle, I have to take Washington. I just, I'm not going to stop fading these ginormous spreads for Oregon, even though they've kicked my ass so far. So Georgia Bama, start us off, J-Mac. Dogs, five and a half point favorites. Your concern if you're Bama is... If if Georgia's stopping the run consistently and making Milrow play third and long, can he consistently make those intermediate throws to to keep the drive moving? That said, with what he brings to the table as as a rusher, he's just been so composed. Even when coverage ha- has been tight these last couple of weeks, he's been able to to improvise. He's made some really nice decisions. I'm in on this Bama team. I just think defensively they figured it out and this is actually a better defensive group than they've had in a couple of years now. Um, they have an identity, they run the football and Milrow's been unleashed. No, they don't have the, the same wide receiver talent that we've seen over the last couple of years, but Jermaine Burton's a big time playmaker and they do enough. And, and I just really like this Alabama team right now. Uh, 
Georgia's doing a good job though. Like they just kind of do what they do. Like, you know, they, they don't have the same elite talent either, but I don't know. They, they make me nervous, but I'm rolling with Bama to win outright. Five and a half point, uh, underdogs, by the way. I don't think I ever set the spread. I think Georgia's the better offense and Bama's the better defense, which you would not have thought coming into the season. Crazy. Yeah. Um, how do you see this, Jake? Oh, man. I think I'm going to roll with the dogs here. Um, I just like what Beck's been able to do. I feel like, and I've been saying it all year, I feel like this team has just been slowly coming together. Yeah. Uh, they lost a lot of people pieces to the NFL. They've lost some coaches, uh, but the talent is still there. It's still very rich. It is on both sides for sure. Um, I just like the quarterback more. I know yeah. Milrow can do some things. He had a fantastic game or a fantastic play really last weekend to win that game against Auburn. But uh, I just like Beck from a more consistent standpoint. And I think they've just got enough speed and guys that can give Bama some issues defensively. So uh, I'll take the Bulldogs. Six and a half seconds. That's how long he had to throw that football. What are you doing? What are you doing, Auburn? Insane, bro. Insane. That that guy was open like that in the corners. Insane. <clears throat> it's tough, man. I mean, it was much easier to take Bama a week ago before that miracle at Auburn. But you also can't read too much into it because of how that game went. But I mean, I said that from um, the start. That's how that game was going to go. Like, it's just... It, Auburn is a house of horrors yeah. for Bama. It does not matter how good Bama is. They, they just go in there, and it's the rivalry factor. 100%. Yeah. And look, Georgia has a lot of seniors on that defense. That's the thing, though. I'm not feeling like any of those guys are popping. Dallas Turner against Amarius Mims, the right tackle for Georgia, is definitely a top first-round type matchup. You guys want to watch those corners for Bama. You want to watch the other edge, Chris Boswell. Um, you want to watch Jalen Burton, who's starting to catch some steam. Uh, you want to watch J.C. Latham, the right tackle for Alabama. There are prospects all over the field here. It's going to be a great one. I'm riding with Bama. And Alabama-Washington money line parlay comes to plus 992. That's wow. for you, Jake. That's for you. Oklahoma State at Texas. What's going on here? J. Mike, can you kind of give me the who's playing in this one? Texas 15-point favorite. It just seems insane to me. The erraticness of Oklahoma State is the toughest part to factor in here because they'll yeah. beat Oklahoma and then they'll go down by 30 to you know just get curb stomped by a mediocre UCF team. They were down like 20 to BYU before they came back and figured it out. It's just, they're hard to predict. I think Oklahoma State can do enough defensively to make it, to, to keep it tight against Texas, just given the, the injury situation. You don't know, you know, how effective is Quinn Ewers going to be? What's that run game going to look like? Texas has so much speed at receiver that I could see a path forward where they just break like two or three plays. And that ultimately ends up being the, the biggest difference here. I'll hesitantly take Oklahoma state to cover. Uh, what's the line that we have that we're using? 15 for the Longhorns. Okay. Yeah. Um, look, I like Texas. I like Sark a lot. I like worthy. Um, I like their speed just without, uh, the running back on Texas and, you know, Ewers has done some things. I don't think he's been as explosive as we initially thought he would be though. 
just with high, how highly touted he was as a recruit. 15 is just a lot, man. And Oklahoma State, while they have been super, super inconsistent, um, that's too big of a number for me to pass up. So I'll take the Cowboys. It sounds like it's going to be yours. Um, yeah, I think the Cowboys take care of business, cover this, make it really close and nervy game for the Longhorns. I think the Longhorns probably get out. But um, yeah, I think this is way closer than the 15 points here. Louisville FSU. Um, Justin, start this one off for you. I'll tell you right now, I'm in on the Louisville upset. Are you muted, J-Mix? Yeah, J-Mix muted. We can't hear you, buddy. Uh, Um, Go ahead, Jay. I'll tell you this. Uh, Tate Rotemaker, I think the other quarterback for FSU might not be playing. So this might be the third-string quarterback they're throwing out there. And Louisville, they've been strong. They've had a great year. Uh, What Brahms done to that program has been great. And, you know, the Kentucky game – it's another same situation Justin was talking about with Alabama, kind of just a rivalry. Uh, I don't think I'm going to read too much into it. I'm going to take the Cardinals to win outright. Jay, Mike, do you want to give yours? You were muted when you first told us. My bad. He's My bad. Himself. Go ahead. All right. Sorry. Um, Louisville. I'm with you. Yeah. Louisville outright. No Jordan Travis. I just, I, I like Louisville. Michigan, Iowa, shame we don't get to watch Cooper DeGene, another guy who's in that mix with that conversation we had about cornerbacks too. Though really, is he a safety? Is he a slot? That's the beauty of Cooper DeGene. He can be a lot of different things for you. Um, So yeah, sad we don't get to see him. This is a 22-point spread. Jake, at first I thought this was just too massive because Iowa just isn't in high-scoring enough games to even warrant this kind of spread. And then as J Mike and I talked through it, maybe the Michigan side is correct here. I mean, this is absurd. It's a 22 point spread with an over under set at 34 and a half. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> um, give me Michigan, man. I think this team is just on a complete mission here. Um, you know, not just after how the playoff ended last year, but just with all the Harbaugh stuff that's been going on. Um, you know, Blake Corum, I think, has been on, you know, a tear to try and Prove that last year wasn't a fluke. I know the stats aren't really, you know, proving or aren't matching up, I guess, to last year's just the absurd amount of, you know, yards and touchdowns, I guess, but he's still him. Uh, JJ's going to, I think, be fired up for this one as well. Give me the Wolverines to blow out the Hawkeyes. What can you say? I'm going to take Iowa. I think they do enough to shorten the game. Um, I don't know. I, as much as we love to make fun of this program, they still are a great defense. No Cooper DeGene is a big difference, but I think they'll be able to stop the run enough to at least hang within 20. I got them winning kind of like a, you know, like 30 to 20, 24 to 10, that type of deal. Um, the big question to me is, can Iowa score more than 13 points in this one? Definitely no. not. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I I think it might be a nervy first half. That might be the the play for me is like an Iowa first half spread. Um, but and that's how and, last year's. Yep. 
That's how last year's Big Ten title game was with Purdue. It was really close, and then Michigan just kind of – it's the bow constrictor. It's the bow constrictor you know? analogy. It's kind of the classic, nervy, slow start, and then by the end, they've actually covered the three-touchdown-plus um, spread. So that means you and I have Washington, Michigan, Jake. Mm-hmm. Here, I've got the notes here because I'm going to send in Final a graphic four. request. Final four, who we got? Uh, all right, so I took Georgia. So I got Georgia, Michigan, Washington. Man, and then I guess. So Texas. Texas? Yeah. That's kind of clean. Right? It is. It, yeah, it is. I mean, Ohio State's out to me. I'm sorry. We got to. Lots of the chaos. The title game so. means something. Yes. Um, the scenario for Ohio State. What is the scenario for Ohio State right now? Is there any FSU loses? Obviously, Washington loses, Texas loses, Georgia wins, Oregon wins, and then Michigan to lose too. Oregon, Georgia. Michigan are for sure in in that scenario. If both Texas and FSU lose, it would be a one-loss Washington versus a one-loss Ohio State basically would be the argument. But that's what Mm -hmm. they need to... And a one-loss FSU. I mean, honestly, I think... I think they need Georgia to win. Right? Like, a one-loss Georgia would get in over a one-loss Ohio State. No, they need Georgia to win. They need Alabama to be out the picture with two losses. So who's your four then, Dre? Um, my four are Washington, Alabama, Michigan. And I guess if I have them narrowly winning to Oklahoma State, I guess it's Texas. Well, Georgia's out for you. Georgia's out. If they lose, I think they're out. I've got Michigan, Oregon, um, Bama, and Georgia, and the the world riots because Bama gets in over Texas despite Texas winning the the Big Twelve and having the head to head. I think Bama getting that win over Georgia. I guess would Texas get in over Georgia in that situation because potentially Bama beat Georgia, champion. Texas beat yeah. I just have a hard time seeing Georgia get left out at this point since they ran the t- like win or loss. I think they're in. So I'm going I'm going Michigan, Bama, Oregon, Georgia. That's my four. There you go. I, the committee did a ridiculous job leaving Florida State in this. I'm sorry. It, it, this is just I understand they're undefeated. I understand they're in a power conference. They're they don't have their best player. Um, they've been skating by with these wins all year. This is just, it's throwing everything off. Well, gonna, it might solve itself they, this weekend anyways, but. It will for sure. But if they win and they beat Louisville and they get into this playoff and we're going to have a third string potential quarterback going up against Michigan or Georgia, like, I'm sorry. Like it's going to be a 27 point spread. The game's going to be over by halftime and we're just going to have wasted an entire season of all this debate and stuff just to allow a team in who 
really isn't deserving. 12-team playoff. Solves all these issues. Can't come soon enough. Yeah. Can't come soon uh, enough. This was the season to launch it. This was the season. Like, honestly, it's kind of crazy. Um, and then we could already have that debate now. Like, these early game, these conference championships in that sense hardly matter. We'd be talking much more about well, who's more deserving? Louisville, LSU, Arizona, <laughs> Oklahoma, Mississippi, uh, Ole Miss. I mean, they matter. Penn they State. matter a lot. If you're a team like Louisville, who could get in, I think, to a 12-team playoff with a win, I do think it would matter for Iowa. Like if Iowa beat Michigan, they would oh, be 100%. in. Oh, hundred percent. So there, there would still be stakes, but like and Oklahoma State it would certainly take some of it out of Oregon, Washington, especially if Oregon wins and. They'd pipes well. Oh, they both stay in because mm-hmm. Washington beat them in the regular season. You get both Bama, Georgia, Oklahoma has probably got an outside chance at that point. I mean, yeah. it'd be interesting. And you'd have fans at LSU in Norman, Oklahoma, at Arizona, in South Bend, Indiana, rooting for like FSU to pull it out against Louisville and yeah. stuff. Um, so yeah, that'd be really cool. Cannot wait. Thank you, fellas. Thank you to High Plains Strains for um, presenting this here podcast. Check them out. Tell them we sent you. Get all their great discounts. We'll be back next week. As always, we'll see who was right on these final predictions. Go Broncos. Go Broncos, baby. Check out these guys. Uh, DMVR Rams, DMVR Buffs. Best coverage in the world. Be back next week. Have a great weekend. Thank you.